my friend, it's Julie Clough here, your life and grief coach. Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast. I'm thrilled to bring you uplifting grief support and hope for rebuilding your life one small step at a time. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 126, Making Space for Grief, an interview with Emily. I have a former client on today for an interview. We worked together earlier last year and Emily is just a beautiful person. And like all my wonderful clients that I feel so honored to work with, I am super excited to introduce you to Emily today. Emily was kind enough to share her grief journey and how her grief has opened her eyes to grief in lots of areas of life and given her more compassion for the people around her and how she looks at grief now and the importance of giving grief space in our life. We're going to jump right into the interview. I am so thrilled to see my friend Emily. You can't see her, but I can see her. Um, she is a former client that we got to work together for a few weeks and it was amazing and she's amazing. And, um, hi, Emily. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you. We were like fangirling each other when we got on because <laughs> we haven't seen each other for a little while, but Emily is, like I said, a former client and she agreed to do an interview today to share some of her experiences um, with, with everyone, which I'm so grateful for. I'm so grateful for your willingness to do that. So Emily, why don't you just start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your story? So my name's Emily. Um, I live in a small town in Montana and I guess it was, I guess it's been a year and a half now. Um, my father, who I was very close to, uh, had a fall and wound up in the hospital and um, and over the period of, of a, a few months, died, basically. Um, and he was in New York, and I traveled back and forth quite a bit. I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. I've got two small kids and a very supportive husband who was able to manage them while I was, you know, dealing with the logistics of this. Um, and then after after he died and I came back to sort of the new normal of my life, um, I was struggling and I remembered that this friend of mine had once mentioned this amazing grief counselor she worked with. And this was a friend um, in town who had had a, had an experience that caused her to want to talk to a grief counselor. And, and at the time my dad was fine. And at the time I remember thinking, well, that's interesting, you know, sort of shelve that little piece of information away in my head somewhere in case I ever need it. Um, and so I reached out to her and I, you know, shared what had happened. And I said, you know, I, I'd love to, get in touch with this person because, and this person was you, um, because she had such amazing things to say about you. And, um, and that is how I came to work with you. You were sort of given to me by this, by this person many, many months before I needed you. Uh, And there you were. Yeah, that's so cool. And just, just to clarify, just for logistics reasons, I'm, I, um, when people call me a grief counselor, sometimes people get the idea that I'm a therapist, but I'm not. Oh, a sure. I'm a grief coach. So just to clarify, coach. That, yeah, like what a a beautiful thing that she shared that with you. And it's just like, I, I love things like that because like shows us how the universe is really out there to, to um, support us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a nice reminder to, you know, 
that the, that we give people gifts. We don't even we don't always realize the gifts we're giving, and mm-hmm. um, just by sharing things that have touched us, you know, and, and been meaningful for us. Yeah. yeah. So so take us back a little bit. What was it like in that in those those weeks, those you know, couple months before you reached out to me? What what did things look like? What prompted you to feel like extra support would be great? Um, I can't. I can't really remember. I mean, I can't remember the exact sort of day-to-day stuff, but I, I think what happened is because he was in the hospital and he was sort of making this slow fading journey towards death, you know, um, I was in a way very fortunate that I could do some of my grieving then he was very lucid. His body was just failing him in all different ways, but, you know, I was able to be there. I was able to talk to him. I was able to find a lot of closure, a lot of processing, the stuff that other people get sort of stolen away from them when someone dies quickly or unexpectedly. So I felt lucky to have all that. And I felt like I had been grieving for several months when it was clear that he was dying. Um, So I think there was a part of me that felt like, okay, he's finally, he's finally passed. It's in a way a relief, but you know, I should be fine. I should be able to get on with my life now, you know, but I hadn't, you know, I think part of the grieving had been the logistical part of the grieving, you know, the talking about stuff, the organizing things, the, you know, parting words, all, and, and there was this, all this other stuff left in me that I didn't really know how to manage. And, and I was, you know, working, being a wife and a mother and a, you know, just kind of spread really thin and not able to make space for working on my grief. Um, partly just because it's hard to prioritize our own selves sometimes in the midst of family life, but also because I didn't, I just didn't know really know how to do that and how to ask for it. And even if I did ask for it, what was I going to do with that time on my own, just sitting with my grief? It didn't feel productive or like I really, I would feel like I was just sort of like spinning. Yeah. Spinning is a, is a great, great way to describe it, isn't it? Is it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I re- I remember when we first met, like it was, um, your grief felt pretty overwhelming because mm-hmm. it was pretty fresh. It was. And, and, you know, he was, we were very close, you know, it wasn't just sort of like an old family member dies and it's a bummer, you know, it was like, he was sort of my, like my person and I was his person, you know, in, in this world. <laughs> and so I think it was hard because it was like, you know, when someone dies and they've occupied that that's multiple roles in your life, you know, so it was like, I lost my dad, but also my friend and also my, you know, person I talked about writing with and person that I, you know, who I laughed with, you know, like when you, when you lose someone who plays a lot of different roles in your life, it's almost like the, it's almost like the grieving is like exponential because you've lost like five people at once in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, and one of the things that I loved is I got to know your dad Mm -hmm. while I was working with you. And I, I got to know him and love him because mm-hmm. you, you loved him so much. Yeah. Love him so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so share a little bit about like what that was like working with me, you know, how, what that looked like for you, how that was. Well, one of the things that was so nice about it was having it on my calendar, even if that week I was feeling, you know, Oh God, I got to make time for that. You know, that, that I think for so many of us, for women in particular, I think we have a hard time prioritizing ourselves and self-care or whatever, you know, whatever you call it. Um, and 
somehow having it on the calendar, having the family know, okay, this is when, you know, I've got my meeting, I'll be up in the office with the door closed, you know, and just, you know, almost like publicly declaring to the, to the household, this is, I'm doing my work. My, my work of grieving is happening on, you know, Tuesday at two o'clock or whatever. And that somehow being accountable to you, having you on the calendar, just rather than having it be up to my own timeline and my own motivation. And, you know, I could see myself having like a stack of grief books next to my bedside table and never doing anything about it, but having like a partner in it. And that's Mm -hmm. where you felt like a partner. You felt like a loving, supportive partner who had more information than I did. And I think that's kind of just so you want holding your hand through this stuff because your friends and your family members can be comforting and they, and, and some of them have been through what you've been through and they can know what it is to lose a dad or lose the particular person you lost, but having someone who's kind of expert in it and can tell you, Hey, this is going to get easier. This is going to get better. And, and I, I felt confident when you told me that. And a million other people could tell me that all day long, but something about you, you knew, you know, you had firsthand experience, you had the experience of all your clients. And I felt, I I trusted you to hold my hand and walk me down this path, knowing that at the end of it was something that was going to feel better. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's, what's really, and, and this, this is an experience that a lot of people have, but what's really interesting about your experience is that you lived in an area and your dad lived far, far away. So mm-hmm. it's not like you lived around people that knew your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Except for your immediate family, of course, you know, your immediate family knew your dad, but, but it wasn't like you were living in the same town or that other people were as aware of yeah. how impactful the loss was. And and I find this so often with, with, especially like you said, like with women where they, they experience a loss of a sibling or a, um, a parent or a loss that's that's not public, and then they just go right back into regular life, mm-hmm. and they they just they don't have a like you said they don't have a place to express their grief in order to move through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you almost feel like you have this sort of window of time when you're allowed to walk around with a big sad face and start crying if anyone asked you how you're doing. And, you know, I felt like there was a moment like that where everyone in town kind of knew what, it, why I was out of town quite a bit, why suddenly Nathan was home with the boys and why I was sort of missing from my usual things. And, um, and in a small town where it does get around, you know, like, but, um, but I do think there comes a time with everyone where after, you know, after a few weeks or certainly a few months, you feel like, Oh, I'm not allowed to be doing this anymore. I'm not allowed to be, shirking all my normal responsibilities and not taking showers and, you know, anything else like that. And, um, and you almost wish you had, could just have like a little sign on you that said, I lost someone close to me. I'm still grieving. <laughs> like yeah. ask me about him, you know, but yeah. So, so having, you know, embarking on a project with you and I think even just investing money in the process makes a difference in how we, especially as women give ourselves permission to do the work. You know, mm-hmm. if it's we've we've paid for it, we've marked out the time in the calendar and negotiated childcare duties with our partner. You know, like we've we've invested, and so we're going to take it seriously. And it's unfortunate that it has to be like that, but I think that is just sort of how what like contemporary American working mom culture looks like. 
Yeah. And, and investing in ourselves is just, is so important on mm-hmm. so many levels. Like you mentioned, it's not just the, it's not just the money, but it's the time and the, and the arrangements and, and so mm-hmm. forth, you know, making that, that making that space. Mm-hmm. So um, what, what do you feel like share with us just like a handful or, you know, a couple of things that you felt like were pivotal moments for you or, pivotal understandings that you got? Well, I mean, there were, there are a handful of different things that stick out. You know, there was, there was one thing and this may have been during a webinar that you offered, but there was this graphic that you showed us of, of grief being like this huge weight that you're carrying and it fills your entire body and how over time it gets smaller and you're still holding it, but it's like, you're not holding a boulder. You're holding like a stone or a little rock, you know? And, and that idea that like, you'll always be carrying it with you. You'll always be, this will always be with you, but it's not going to be with you to the degree that it's so encumbering. And so such a burden that prevents you from moving on, you know, through your day, through your life. Um, And that, that visual really stuck in my head. And then just other little things. Like you told me once about, you know, someone who had, every time they saw a butterfly, they sort of said hi to their mom, you know, and I have that, I have that with certain birds with my dad, you know, where I sort of imagine like, oh, there he is, you know, and um, just little tricks. And I think different things will resonate for different people or make sense to different people, partly just depending on, I don't know, your faith background or how your brain works or, you know, whatever. But for me, I just... There were a little, just a handful of little takeaways like that, that were just little tools that I could tuck in my pocket, you know, that there was the, the long-term big picture healing. And then there was the little healing along the way, you know, the little sort of um, little moments and that, yeah, that was helpful. I can't remember. I mean, I could look through my notebooks and I'm sure I have like pages of furiously scribbled notes because there was always something that you gave me. That then that week it was like a revelation that I could use this little tool to feel okay. But then you also, you know, gave me permission to not feel okay, you know, and you let me know like this is not, you know. And so I, I'm still not surprised when I get blindsided by um, just a little thing that happens, you know, like we, um, something where that person's missing, you know, where their their absence is felt acutely, you know. I like I used to call my dad when I was walking my boys when I was walking home from having walked the boys to school in the morning I'd call him and I don't know what to do with that time now you know <laughs> and I think of him and so I think there there are those moments those unexpected times when you just you're just the the, the small stone becomes huge like a boulder again but maybe the trick is that like it doesn't stay big as long you know it doesn't stay big for as long it's a boulder for a second and you're crying and you're just a mess and then and then five minutes later, you've shrunk it down to a manageable pebble, tucked it in your pocket, and you continue walking on. Um, so, yeah, so that. So the idea that, like, you're not going to be 100% like fixed from this thing or cured or, you know, it's not, it's not, it's a process and a practice. And it's probably a lifelong thing. Well, and, and I, you know, speak to the idea of like how that, I mean, I'm just, I'm just listening to the way you describe that. And I'm thinking it's miraculous because so often when we have those experiences where we get blindsided by something, 
when we don't understand our grief, we don't understand grief process, we don't have tools, then we heap so much guilt and shame and other emotions onto it and just create a bigger storm. Like it, it just, it, it feels even weightier because we don't have the expectation that this isn't going to last, you know, mm-hmm. for the next month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think another thing that you, that I really got out of working with you is, you know, like you said, you, you live somewhere as an, you move somewhere as an adult. No one here has met my, had met my dad or even really some close friends knew how close I was with him, but you know, you, nobody knew the person. And so they're this abstract idea of a, a father who died, an old father who died thousands of miles away. You know, they don't know who he was. And for you to have to say that you you felt like you knew him, that you took the time to find out who he was. And I've been, I really use that. You know, I feel like now I have this, I have this research, like I know how to be now for the people in my life who are grieving. And and you gave me that, you know, and I, I took a walk with a friend who just lost her father and um, and I just asked her about him the whole time. I just asked her, like, just talk, let's let her talk about him. And, and I think she's going through the same thing of feeling like, you know, you lost a parent out in California that no one in her town here knew. And now she's back and she's expected to be back in the swing of work and parenting and all that. And, you know, I think you just that gift of, of asking someone you know, to tell you about the person is, is, is a huge thing. And I, I think that's going to be a constant. I mean, I'm at the, there's COVID, but also I'm just at the age at which people are starting to lose their parents. And Mm -hmm. so um, I feel like I have, I'm by no means expert at this, but I feel like I have a few more tools than I did before for how to handle it when a friend is grieving and I don't need to feel scared of it or, like I can't ask about it or I'm not sure how to ask about it. You know, that's sometimes just, just asking about the person. That's beautiful. What I find this often happens is as I work with people, we not only go through the grief stuff, but we, we handle whatever's coming up during the week. Mm -hmm. And, and um, we had a few interesting things that happened while we were working together. One was COVID. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But what other areas do you feel like, um, like, for example, one area that I find so many people often will mention is that this work really helped them with their close relationships too. Did you find that or in, in what yeah. ways did you? Yeah. So what I, what I found really interesting was there was a definition, there was a definition of grief in the book that we were reading together. And I don't remember what it was, but it had to, to do with like, an acknowledgement that like things are different now and they are not going back to the way they were. It was, it was something that was very broad and very inclusive. And it wasn't, it wasn't just about sadness. You know, it was more about like grief is, is con- like coming up against sort of irreversible change yeah. and figuring out how to, you know, and, and I, I think I just expanding that definition of grief has helped me to have this much more empathetic view of the people in my life and to understand that almost everyone's grieving something at some point and that the, the specifics can be different, but, you know, just being aware of these grief journeys going on all around me for things big and small, for things recent and old. 
and having more sensitivity towards that in other people and more empathy mm. that people are sometimes really struggling and acting out because of something that's happened that they can't change. They can't fix. They can't go back to and, and how frustrating that is to people and how sometimes that shows up as anger or other kinds of sort of unpleasant behavior. Um, but yeah, just that expanding that understanding of grief and grieving and mm. loss and that it wasn't just about death or losing people. Yeah. Do you remember, and I know it's been a little while, but do you, do you recall um, feeling like the work that we did helped you with your confidence? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, if you had asked me these questions, like the month after we finished, I'd probably have better answers. I, I can't remember exactly why or how, but I feel like you definitely helped me move back into the world. Mm. and to have this thing that had just sort of became a part of me and made me stronger or wiser or something um, and not quite so broken. So what does life look like for you now? I mean, one thing that's sort of new and different is that I, I quit the job that I've been working for the past few years. And that was, it was a good thing. And I, I was so happy I did it, but it was a hard, it was one of those unexpected triggers of sadness where I thought, Oh God, this is what I would have. I would have talked to my dad about this. I would have talked through the decision-making with him. I would have talked to, you know, let him know as soon as it had happened. Like, and so realizing, Oh, right there, that was the, one of the other roles that he played was sort of the like, you know, thoughtful listener of big life decisions, you know, and, and it's rare to have someone who will just sort of let you process your decision making and not jump in with advice or, you know, like it. So, so I, I, I missed him. Um, and then I realized after a few weeks of sort of not quite knowing what to do next and not, not being great, not making the adjustment gracefully to being like the person who's home a lot in charge of house things and all that. I realized I'm grieving in a way, going back to that expanded definition of grief, I'm grieving this sort of loss of identity of, I was this person who clocked in at eight and then clocked out at four and uh, worked my job all day long on my computer. And and not that it necessarily gave me a, a good sense of who I was. I wasn't, I wasn't like intimately connected with my career identity at that job, but it gave, it gave structure to my day. I didn't have to think for myself in a way, you know, I could just kind of go on autopilot and do my job. And so I thought, oh, I'm sort of grieving the loss of that structure. And that's making me irritable. And that's making me kind of crabby with people around the house, you know? And, and so recognizing just, just, it's so valuable to me to realize how many experiences in life can be framed as grief experiences and that the tools of sort of moving through grief can be applied to those experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. I, I it's, when my grief had finally stacked up with enough e events, you know, especially once my, my kids died, you know, the grief was so overwhelming that it, I had to do something about it. It actually opened my eyes to all the other experiences that I had had that I had never really worked through or didn't have tools or didn't understand Mm -hmm. you know, how, how to work through those. And so once you, once you understand that, once you have that tool, you know, once you have that like tool belt of toolbox, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it 
of, of things that you can pull from at any time. It's a lifetime skill that you, mm-hmm. that you gain. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of times people will, will tell me, you know, I'm just worried if I, I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to bring up all that emotion. I just don't want to like unleash it. You know, what, what would you say to somebody that's feeling like, uh, you know, I'm, I just don't know if I want to do this, this work. Mm-hmm. I think it's so personal. I mean, I think, I think if someone came to me and said, Hey, how did you move through this? Like, what do you recommend? I would absolutely then tell them what to do. Did you find that? I mean, I, you know, almost everybody I work with kind of have a, that they have a preconceived idea of what it's going to look like. And, and there's a little bit of um, hesitancy. Did you find it was scary working with me? Or I mean, do you, did you find that it was like, more gentle than you expected or, you know, not it was, as scary as what you thought it might be? Yeah, I think it probably was less scary. And I don't know if that's because you just made me feel safe. So I, you know, I, you know, I also think because so often, you know, you, it almost was like we were doing sort of parallel work, like working on the grief stuff around my dad, but then also working on the life stuff day to day where the grief was manifesting in challenges just in my home or with my kids or with my husband. Um, And so it felt, it felt very balanced. It didn't feel like it was just this one little part of my brain that we were working, you know, just working on the the rehashing of the death and the sound, you know, it wasn't that it was, it was sort of like, that was the stage on which my life was playing out at that time. Um, And so we looked at everything and I, I suspect there were sessions where I didn't cry. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> there were probably some where I cried a lot and then some where I didn't. And, and then there were the scary parts I did put off doing, like there was some written work that you had wanted me to do and I would put it off because I'm a procrastinator and, oh, sorry about that. and it, um, and it felt scary. It felt, that's what it was more than anything else. I thought, Oh God, I can't open this. I can't crack open this part of my heart or I'm just going to, it's going to be too much. Um, and you very lovingly, but firmly encouraged me to keep, to do it. You know, you, you just found a way to somehow let me know, Hey, I expect you to do this, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And that's where that coaching was, you know, you had, you had just a really perfect way of making me feel like you didn't give me too much leeway you know, you weren't, you weren't like, Oh, well, if you want to do it, do it. If not, you know, you let me know, like, I expect you to do this. You're going to, the good work comes from doing this and you're going to be glad you did it, you know? And so you nudged me in that direction. And then it, it was not scary once I did it every time I sat, you know, and I would say to you, Oh, you know, I sat down and it didn't even take me as long as I thought it would. And it wasn't as hard. And you said, yeah, I know. You know, (laughs) so it was a combination of like the, the the content of what we talked about wasn't as scary as I thought it would be, but also your, your style and your approach, you just walk that really nice line between sort of loving and gentle, but also firm isn't right. Isn't the right word, but you had clear expectations and you wanted me to meet them, you know, and I, and I think that you did that well. Well, I just, you know, I just, I believe in you. I believe in the people that I work in. I just, I know this works. And so it's just like, Mm -hmm. I don't ever want you or anybody else to shortchange themselves by, Mm -hmm. but it's always a choice, right? 
because this yeah. is an action program. It's a it's a choose in situation. Well, and another reason I, I think that you, working with you is so effective is because you do because it has this kind of time limited approach. You're not saying, you know, sign on with me to work through your grief stuff, and then we'll we'll let you free when we're done. And I think that's a lot of people's fear with therapy or coaching or counseling is that they're entering into a you know a financial arrangement with no end, and they feel like, oh well, how am I ever going to get done with this? You know, but. But I think for you to be like, no, we can do this in 12 sessions, you know, or we can do this in eight, whatever it was like that, that's, that's really comforting for it to have a, to have a time limit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think you work hard when you know that, you know, you work harder because you don't, you only have a finite number of sessions to do the work. That's probably true. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? I, I mean, I guess just remembering that everyone around you is probably grieving something at any moment. And so when you, you know, when you have a cashier who's short with you or someone who is behaving poorly, I think it's always important to consider what else is going, might be going on with them that you don't know, you know, and it certainly has made me more sensitive to that, you know, and and with COVID it's made that sort of obvious, like, tons of people are dealing with this stuff now, but um, yeah, just to be aware that life is change and change is hard and messy and people who are suddenly behaving in a way that isn't ideal for you, maybe dealing with, you know, grieving some life change and just, I don't know, be gentle with them or be gentle with yourself and don't take everything personally and assume it has to do with you. (laughs) I love that. A little, little self-compassion, a little compassion for those around you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for sharing your experience and sharing your story. Mm-hmm. It's just always a delight to talk to you. That and lovely. Uh, and I, I love, I love words. I love reading. I love words. And when I listen to you speak, it's like so eloquent. I <laughs> just <laughs> You're, you're, you're a writer. So, you know, you like, you have just this elegant, um, intelligent way of speaking and expressing yourself, which I, which I really appreciate also. So yeah, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being here today. I am super excited about some um, upcoming projects and resources that we're working on for you. And you definitely want to make sure that you're on our list. So go to buildalifeafterloss.com so that you'll get notified as soon as we have an announcement to share. You don't want to miss it. You really, really don't want to miss it. There's going to be some introductory offers coming up. Anyway, just trust me. Go get on the list. Please subscribe and rate and review. That would be such a blessing. And who do you know who needs to be here for some uplifting support? Be sure and share this episode. Your friends will thank you. Have a fabulous week. Remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.